Okay, welcome to No Excuses, Real Inspiration with Scott Marshall. So we're here today to learn about the fitness journey of Dr. Gary Mendoza. So welcome, Gary. Um, thank you for giving up your time. It's really much appreciated. Um, so for the viewers, just give a wee brief intro of who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, well, thanks for inviting us on in the first place. Uh, I'm Dr. Gary Mendoza. Um, I've been a personal trainer for getting on for 30 years now. It's a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've worked in many areas of uh, personal training, managed gyms, leisure clubs, things like that. Um, and then uh, I've got a first class honours degree in nutrition. So I've worked quite a lot with elite athletes. I was not Forest nutritionist for a year. Uh, I've worked with the Welsh football team. Um, work with various other athletes, Commonwealth Games athletes and what have you. And I've got a qualification as a sports dietitian with Sports Dietitians Australia when I worked in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and then coming out of that, I've done my PhD. My uh, research is in a multidimensional model for the treatment of male obesity. So specialising in men's weight management. And yeah. I think the interesting thing about that research was it was all done with personal trainers in the UK. So it's kind of applied kind of research. It's not just theoretical. Yeah. And then coming out of that, I've kind of got more and more interested in behavior change. And so now I really concentrate on training trainers in behavior change. Cause I think if you're working as a personal trainer, as a coach, what you really want is to get your clients to make some type of lifestyle change. So if you don't understand how people make behavior change, you're kind of starting on the back foot. So um, that kind of gives you an overview of what I do. No, fantastic. So lots of experience there, Gary. Over 30 years <laughs> of experience. <laughs> nah, fantastic. So obviously we're, we're here to learn about your journey. So mm -hmm. we're going to go way back many years to your school years. So when oh, you were in school, what sort of activities were you involved in? Sporting um, activities. Funnily enough, I, mean, I was always into sport and played most sports and I was in the Marine Cadets, so did most sports in that. And because I was in the Marine Cadets, that led to me joining the Marines when I left school. So I didn't do any qualifications leaving school. I was like, nap 16, gone, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fantastic. So, so let's talk about uh, joining the Marines. How was that? Um, well, I joined up at 16, but then I went through basic training. My dad is actually, or was, a warrant officer in the Royal Marines as well. And when it came to being uh, posted, I was going to be, I was going to end up doing logistics or stores. And I didn't, I wanted to do electronics and mm -hmm. that's what I'd always wanted to do. So my dad actually, my CEO at the time said, or you'll be able to kind of transfer and, and do that in, as a trade later on. And my dad said that will never happen. Once they've got you doing one thing, they are not going to let you retrain. Yeah. And because I was still under 18, I could just put my papers in and leave with like a month's notice or whatever. Yeah. And so I, I transferred into the Air Force. Okay. And, and it was the best thing I ever did because then I ended up getting a trade in electronics and computers um, I was in the Air Force for 13 years and I played rugby for the Air Force. So I was never at work anyway. I was kind of like a semi-professional sports person, really, because if you play sport at a decent level in the forces, 
you tend not to be at work a lot. You tend exactly, to be. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was good. It was great. Ah, fantastic. Um, so for yourself, Gary, you know, growing up, did you did you ever have any challenges within sport? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I, I just I just love. I could kind of turn my hand to any sport. So it was just like I was kind of lucky in that respect that. I was just kind of fairly naturally gifted in that way. And I don't know, everybody was so supportive, like being in cadets and that, and like yeah. people were giving up their own time. So I was always really grateful for all the adults that were willing to, spend, you know, give up a bit of their own time to kind of help me and others. It was that good. No, no totally. And, you know, obviously, you know, you've, you know, you were in the Marines and then the Air Force. So, how, how did it become that you became a personal trainer? Oh, it's, it's really convoluted because I was, I was, I worked on computers. I worked for an American computer firm. And so after I'd been in the RAF 13 years, I was working on these American computers, done all their training. And so I got offered a job in Civvy Street by this American computer firm. And like the money was going to be twice as much and getting a company car and everything. So it was like, it was a no brainer. I came out the forces and then I just got stressed out doing the job. Cause I, I was um, a telecommunications support engineer. I was one of only three people in Europe that could do my job and supported the whole of Europe. And, um, but it was majorly stressful. So the company I worked for, they support all the major banks, all your cash points run on this company's computer all the stock exchanges in the world run on this computer because they're like non-stop computers. Yeah. They do not break down. But obviously when things do go wrong, the pressure is really on. And it was like, and I could never let it go. I'd like be at work. I'd go home and I'd be thinking, and at the middle of the night I'd wake up and go, Oh, I know what the problem is. I know how to solve it. And it was just, yeah. like I couldn't, I was just stressed to the eye. I loved it, but I was stressed. Yeah, I was, get, I was getting these really bad headaches and that, and I was convinced I had like a brain tumor or something. <laughs> and my, my doctor sent me for scans and God knows what, and absolutely nothing. And and I, to this day, I'd always like to meet my doctor again because he was really blunt with me. He said these headaches are stress related. He says if you don't change your job, I doubt you'll see sixty. And I'm like, oh, that's fairly um in your face as it were <laughs> so it was like oh i'm gonna have to make some type of career choice here. Yeah. because i'd always done sport funnily enough I, I worked in london at stockley park near heathrow airport and one weekend there was bearing in mind this is 30 odd years ago there was um a conference and it was called fitness or business and it was all about how you could kind of work in fitness whether it be personal training managing a gym or whatever yeah. And so I went along to that and I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, and so I did, I kind of started retraining whilst I was still working, doing weekends and what have you. And then eventually got a qualification in personal training. And in those days, nobody knew what a personal trainer was. I mean, other than Hollywood stars had them, no gyms in the UK had personal trainers back in those days. And I happened to represent the national register of personal trainers at the first ever personal training convention in America, in Washington. Wow. And so I went over there representing the UK as one of the first personal trainers that got into my local paper. They did an article on it. And after that, I just got 
everybody, you know, because you're in the paper and you're a personal trainer and blah, blah. Suddenly I had clients all over the place. So, yeah. And then I ended up writing a, a column for the paper as well. So I, oh. I regularly wrote in the Chester Chronicle on personal training and exercise. And and the thing that I used to write in there was stuff on nutrition. And I knew nothing about nutrition. So I was like making it up as I went along or read it in a magazine. I think, oh, yeah, I'll use that or whatever. <laughs> and, it, and it just got to a point where I thought, do you know what? I really do need to learn about nutrition. And so that's when I decided to do a degree in nutrition. Yeah. But no, um, so, you know, out of your, your journey, um, where would you say has your, been your best experience, you know, personal trainer, you know, you've been a gym manager um, and obviously you've, you've went to university and now you're doing, you know, behaviour change. So yeah. what, are you, what have you enjoyed the most? I think for me, the, the thing that's most satisfying is teaching, whether it be, I mean, up until, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, as I was teaching nutrition all the time, but now I've moved to behavior training. But I love teaching and seeing like trainers learn, understand, and then go out there and doing it. And funnily enough, I, somebody contacted me the other day and they said, oh, you taught me nutrition kind of 20 years ago. And I'm like, wow. And it's like, <laughs> there's people out there in the industry that I taught when they first started. And the, yeah. and the beauty for me is they're still doing it. So that's really good. No, definitely. Um, so yeah, teaching and seeing people grow for me is really satisfying. Yeah. No, fantastic, Gary. And for yourself, um, do, you, do you still train just now? I, I walk quite a lot. I do quite a lot of endurance walking. I did um, a couple of years ago, I did London to Brighton, uh, raising money for blind veterans. Yeah. And then two years ago, I did uh, 50K around the Breckens over Penavan and what have you. But I've got, I've got an arthritic hip and, and a knackered shoulder all through playing rugby, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a kind of knackered old man these days. So, you know, I, I keep fit by walking, but that's about it. Ah, good. Ah, good. Um, obviously, you know, they do, obviously they do walking football, right? Yeah. Uh, is it, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. Is there a version of rugby out there like that? Not that I'm aware of. Right, okay. No. I don't know. I don't know if my body could take the batter in now. <laughs> <laughs> When when I went to university and 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 I think it's something for everybody to bear in mind is you're never too old to like go and learn. I mean, like I didn't go to university till I was in my thirties, but when I was in in university, I decided oh I'll, I'll take up rugby again, bearing in mind that I kind of not played for five years. And I said to my wife, I said, oh, I'm going to just play for the local team and play at a low level, you know, just just for like entertainment, really. Yeah. And she's just, she says to me, she says, you won't do that. She says, once you start, you'll want to be in the first team and everything. And I'm like, no, 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 I won't be. But sure <laughs> enough, the minute I started playing, my competitive edge kicked in. And before you know it, I'm playing for the first team. But the thing about it was, whereas when I was young, you could get up on a Sunday and pretty much walk and be healthy. I found I was getting up on a Sunday and feeling like I've been run over by a bus. <laughs> and, it, and it was like, yeah, my body is really telling me I should knock this on the head. <laughs> Ah, when, when did you give up rugby, Gary? Well, that was the second time around. I was about kind of 33, I think. Right, okay. And then, you know, in your adulthood after that, have you played in any other sport? Squash. I was always, I was always a reasonable squash player. But... 
Okay. Oh, yeah, racket sports, I suppose. And then when I when I managed the league in arms, I actually uh, coached tennis. Right, okay. So I, I would teach members there tennis because I learned to be a tennis coach. And I actually coached Trevor McDonald, the uh, newsreader, right. Sir wow. Trevor McDonald. Ah, fantastic. Wow. Um, so for yourself, you know, we spoke there earlier um, about how you taught or you do teach nutrition. So mm-hmm. for yourself, Gary, obviously you've got a very good understanding of nutrition. So for yourself, have you got a strict diet that you follow? It's not strict, but it's reasonably healthy. I mean, I haven't got any paranoia about food. It really bugs me when people talk about like good and bad foods and meal planning for seven days. It's like, yeah, that most probably works if you're an elite athlete or whatever. But for your average client, it's a ridiculous thing to try and get people to do. Because... If you take into consideration, um, people are out working. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, they, you know, they've got family engagements, um, shift work, and then, you know, it's they're having to have their own their own time, their own chill time as well. And mm. they've got to live their lives. They've got to enjoy their lives, you know. Um, and if, you know, people are giving them meal plans for seven days and they've been very strict and it's, it's actually affecting their home life. Yeah, I I do think trainers, some not all trainers, but some trainers definitely need to get a handle on reality in that (coughs) they love going to the gym and they love training and they like to be in the gym six, seven days a week. And that's great. If that's what you love, by all means, do it. But don't expect that most of your clients are going to, for most people, most people hate the bloody gym. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, you cut. that's the kind of reality of it. And it is, I think you need to realise that when you're a trader and it's like maybe exercise isn't for everybody. I always say to people, and certainly the trainers that took part in my research, I said, don't talk about exercise. And they'd like, look at me daft. No, hang on, that's what I do. I say, talk about activity. Yeah. It's the same thing, but the word exercise seems to carry connotations of, oh, you've got to do an hour in the gym. You've got to be fit. You've got to wear Lycra or whatever it might be. And for some people, that's no, I've had clients where I've said to them, if I'd have said to them, right, I need you to exercise three to five times a week, they'd have most probably gone, no, I'm far too busy running my business or whatever. I can't really fit it in. I can say to that same client, I want you to get active three to five times a week. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I can do that. And it's the same thing, but it's just, I've changed the word. Exactly. It's got language around it. It's like, yeah. And as you rightly said, you've got to remember that people have got families, lives and everything else. And all this getting fit, getting healthy and everything else has to fit around that. Because if it doesn't, then they won't do it. Yeah, exactly. I totally get that, Gary. And, you know, we'll go back to your rugby. So when you were, when you were playing, so what was your go-to your, your favourite snack or drink after you finished a rugby match? Well, I didn't really understand nutrition much in those days. My, my favourite thing after a game was beer. <laughs> <laughs> when okay. I look back and I look at some of the practices now, you're just like, it's horrendous. You know, back in those days, everybody thought you needed steak and eggs before a game. And yeah, and recovery nutrition wasn't even a thing. I don't think anybody had even heard of it then. <laughs> No, Funnily enough, I did I did a radio show a few years back uh, when the Six Nations was on, 
And uh, Jamie Roberts was one of the guests on there, the, the Welsh Centre. Yeah. And I was saying about like recovering nutrition and the type of food. And he said a similar thing. He said, God, this is all so modern now compared to what we used to do. He said, when you look <laughs> at what players do now for recovery and and have it, he said that just didn't exist in yeah. those days. Okay, so let's let's chat about the the pandemic. So, for yourself, Gary, how how did you handle that? Do you know what? And I don't know whether it's a good thing to say or bad thing, but it's actually been quite good for me because it forced me online. Yeah. And, and I was teaching the motivational interview and workshop face to face. And I always thought this will only work face to face because you need the interaction and the group work and what have you. And then obviously the panda. And funnily enough, the last course I taught was in Manchester and it was the weekend before the first lockdown when it all kicked off. <clears throat> and I suddenly thought, oh, God, what am I going to do? Because can't teach it face to face. And so I moved it online and we just tried it and obviously Zoom calls and everything else. And it actually works better online, which was with the real irony of it is it's like it really surprised me because whereas trainers were coming along and it was an eight hour workshop. So that's a lot of information to take in in one day, you know, when you're kind of learning all this stuff and trying to practice it. When I do it online, it's split into four weekends. And so it's just two or three hours and then you kind of get a week to assimilate it and go away and practice and what have you. That means that when they come back the next week, they've had a chance to really practice it with clients and what have you, and then they can build on those skills. So for me, it's, it's, it's been an eye opener in terms of actually online teaching can really work. And, and I lecture at Cardiff Met and at Bath Spa University. They moved all their lectures online. And the students just really like it. They, they yeah. seem to enjoy the fact that I guess they can just fall out of bed and watch a Zoom lecture or whatever. Yeah. So is the so I don't think we'll ever, like universities, I don't think we'll ever go back to full-time face-to-face teaching. Yeah. I think there's always going to be an element now of kind of blended learning. Uh-uh. You're doing some stuff online. Yeah. And we've, think we've all, I think most people have just kind of learned to live with it, haven't they? Yeah. I personally, Gary, I think um, for, for myself, I've done a few courses online, um, and I think it's actually it's a better it's a better learning experience because, you know, you're you're not, in, as you said, you're not there for the full eight hours. Um, you've got maybe a couple of hours, you, and you can learn on your own and your own environment, which... I think people, you know, when you go in, so for example, if you were to go into a college or university, um, you're out your comfort zone, I think. Mm-hmm. And then if you're, you're in your home environment, you know, and you're sitting down and you're more relaxed, you're, you're going to take it in a, a wee bit easier. Yeah, I, th- I think for really technical subjects, it, that definitely is true. You know, like, like you say, you don't have to travel. You don't have to worry about accommodation. The one thing I would say is, though, I do think we need some of that uh, face-to-face interaction yeah. because for youngsters, they need to learn those communication skills and how to get on with other people. And, and if we just totally try to get everybody to go online, they're continually going to be in isolation and they, they won't yeah. be able to... Co- cope in social situations so because i think it's the university experience even though i didn't go till in my 30s i still loved all that like the freshers fair and 
all the all the different kind of social events and that. So yeah. that, there's that element of it. Yeah, I, I totally get that because I obviously I done my personal training course till end of 2014, 2015, and yeah. all face to face. Um, but now obviously majority of the courses are online. But I think, like you said, most of the trainers that are coming through now, they are lacking those people skills. Yeah, and that's a big thing. And, that, and that's very hard to teach. I think you, you only learn that through experience. I know when I worked, I worked for FutureFit for the best part of 10, 12 years and wrote a lot of their courses, but I used to assess level three PT and that. And, and that was often the problem with some of the younger trainers was they really lacked those people skills in, in you know, like if you've got a 20 year old and he's trying to converse with a 40, 50 year old businessman, they sometimes struggle. They don't know what to talk about. They can't find common ground or whatever. And yeah. so learning those people skills is really important because yeah. that's ultimately is why someone will employ you. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, obviously you've experienced this before because they're not, you know, you'll get it in group fitness as well, uh, classes. So people won't go to the class for the class. They'll go there for the person, for the trainer. Yeah. Um, because you've built that relationship together. Yeah, I mean, personality is a big aspect of personal training. I think you've got that, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you've got no kind of charisma about you or, or, or something that attracts the client, then you, you are going to struggle. I think you need a, a, a good blend of both, really, a good level of knowledge, but also really good people skills on that. No, definitely. And then the next uh, question, subject, and probably leads on to what you're doing just now with your stages of change, um, mental health. Um, so your own personal opinion, Gary, um, what's your take on mental health and uh, fitness, exercise, activity? It's absolutely crucial, I think, mental health and understanding how people kind of operate and what's going on in their world. I mean, I've seen it firsthand with my wife, because my wife had a heart attack um, and then she had like kidney stones and was in massive pain for months or whatever. And she ended up with a form of PTSD. And, and to see somebody in a dark place like that, you know, and you just through pain, obviously in this particular yeah. instance, and she had counseling and that kind of got her out of it. And so that kind of brought it home to me how important it was. And, uh, the more I've kind of worked as a trainer, as a coach, as a lecturer, whatever, the mental side of it and the, the kind of counselling side of things is really interesting. I, I recently did a, a qualification in counselling because I, I think that for trainers, they all need a degree of counselling skills. Because yeah. I know when I worked as a one-to-one -one PT, and I'm sure you've experienced this, your clients will tell you all types of stuff. They're like... Yeah unload on you in terms of that i've had clients where i've been training the husband and the wife at separate times and like the wife's telling me stuff and saying don't tell tell my husband about this but blah 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 yeah. and then the husband's telling me stuff and go, don't tell the wife and i'm having to think hang on which one of these two told me which <laughs> bit of this? but they just tell you stuff that's so personal and if you don't really understand how to kind of deal with that and reflect and show empathy to the client, yeah. you can really struggle. 
So uh, mental health is, is a really important issue for trainers to understand, especially in these times where people are stressed with worries about COVID and everything else. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the trainer that's got a good understanding of mental health and how to help clients just just maybe through the way they talk to them or whatever, they will, they will keep their clients for a lot longer because their clients will value them so much more. No, absolutely, Gary. And for yourself within your, your full fitness journey, obviously you mentioned earlier that you, after a rugby match, you, your go-to was beer. So <laughs> um, we're going to talk about your bad habits within health and fitness. Oh, I've got loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always I always say to people about people got it's, it's kind of one of the first questions people ask you when you say you're a nutritionist, dietitian, whatever. It's like, oh, what's your, I bet your diet's really good. And I always say to them now, my diet's an informed bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not averse to the odd takeaway. I love curry. Yeah. So it's just I try to get a balance. I try to predominantly stay healthy eating but equally i don't care about having a takeaway or a mcdonald's i mean people vilify mcdonald's and it's like if you have one now and again is it going to kill you i doubt it so it's just like you've got to enjoy life you do not want to get to 70 or whatever thinking oh i've done that for all these years and i've lived this really long life but actually i haven't enjoyed it much yeah what's the point yeah i've loved i've loved this boring life (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and that's one of the reasons i've always switched careers paths right I've, I've got to point so like you know obviously being the marines changed to the, to the air force computer engineer personal trainer more nutrition side now more behavior change every time i've got fascinated by something or really interested in it i've just moved and done it rather than mm-hmm. think oh can i risk doing that do you know is it worth um i've got a steady life here I, I, should I just keep doing that for the money? The one thing I have learned is it's not about the money. It's about enjoying what you do. You need the yeah. money to have a, a comfortable life, obviously. But if you've got a passion for something, I would always say to people, go, go out there and do it. it. It's better to have tried it and found out, well, that didn't work, than get to your 70s or 80s thinking, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have done that. It's, it's yeah. too late then. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... You may have a very long list for this one. Um, <laughs> having over 30 years' experience, what's your pet hates within the fitness industry? <laughs> Personal trainers talking about nutrition when they don't understand it because they're not qualified to talk about it. That's been my big bugbear all the time I've worked. It's like we need better education for trainers. Yeah. Um People being rigid into trainers that are really rigid about, oh, you need to do this type of exercise. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, it's not going to work for you. You should, everyone should lift weights or everyone should do cardio or whatever. It's like, find a balance, you know, be flexible and, and help your clients find what works for them. Yeah. And, and yeah, and just some of the, I mean, social media has been a nightmare, really, because it just like, it allows everybody to have a platform. And everybody to be an expert, despite the fact that they don't actually understand what the hell they're talking about. Yes. And, exactly. and up until about, I don't know, I suppose about five years ago, when I saw people 
post stuff, I jump on again. That's rubbish. That's just crap you're talking about. But now I stay out of it because it's just not worth the grief. Yeah, because it's out of control. Oh, it does. It, it, it keyboard warriors are a blooming nightmare. Yes. <laughs> Social media has been a good thing, but it's also been a really bad thing. I think I, for the fitness industry. I think there's definitely an element of it's been really good in terms of allowing trainers to build an online audience and find clients and what have you. But equally, it's been really bad because a lot of their clients are getting all their information from this, you know, and so they're doing these weird and wonderful diets or really odd exercises in such a bizarre (laughs) way. And you just like, why on earth would you do that? You know? Yeah. But it's like, well, I read such and such a celebrity off Love Island did it, and that's how they got to look like that. And you're just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for yourself, Gary, um, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I am 60. How old am I? I'm 63 at the end of this month. Right. Okay. So have a good birthday when it comes. <laughs> um, so what age do you feel training wise? No, I still kind of feel kind of 45, 50. Yeah, yeah, good. So, yeah, I'm still reasonably healthy, a bit overweight, but hey-ho. It's quite interesting when you ask that question to people because they, they take a couple of minutes to, oh, what age do I actually feel? <laughs> yeah. I, I do think it is in the mind, isn't it? You, you see some people and they are like 60s, 70s, and they really act like they're old and decrepit. And then others are just like, well, yeah, it's a number, but I'm not that bothered about it. And it's interesting, the World Health Organization said that kind of 50 to 60 is now middle-aged. It's not considered old age anymore. Yeah. Whereas maybe a couple of decades ago, you'd have said, yeah, that's it kind of thing. Yeah. Someone asked me the other day about when you're going to retire. And I'm like, I don't know, really, because I love teaching. So yeah. it doesn't feel like I, I'm working. I think yeah. the minute it feels like this is work, and I, then I must probably knock it on the head. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a kind of blessing in disguise. You, you know, you're you're online now as well, so it's not as if you're doing a lot of travelling. So effectively, you you can do this for so many more years. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have to get up early. Don't yeah. work nine to five. Don't need to be in the office and everybody see you. So, I think it's going to be for the next generation. This is really the way work will be. Yeah, because I I think a lot of companies now have realised that you can trust people to work from home, because there was always this thing. Oh yeah, if you let people work from home, they won't do anything. You know, they won't get up. They'll be doing just a couple of hours, and and it's been proved wrong. It's been shown that people will get up and be quite diligent and work properly, and most probably work a few longer hours. Because if you're in your own little office at home, doing an extra half hours, no big deal, because you know you can just go through the door and you're home. Yeah. Whereas if I need to knock off at five o'clock and I've got an hour's commute, that's a whole different ball game. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's a new way of working. So it most probably will extend people's lives a bit. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, so for yourself, um, what's your favourite exercise to do? Favourite exercise? Or favourite activity? Our favourite activity is definitely the endurance walking. I love get because I live in South Wales. And if I look out my window here, I can see like the black, black mountains. And so just getting out into the hills and walking, I, I just love that because it's just like put music on, chill out and, and just walk. Oh, Years man. ago when I was playing rugby, I used to love uh, weights and running. Yeah. 
But okay. and no, then, yeah, just get out for a walk, get out in the fresh air. Nah, totally. And, and, and you know, it goes back to that changing your mindset for the day. You know, if you've got a problem, um, go a walk, 10 minute walk, 15 minute walk, fresh air, clear the head, and then you've found the answer. <laughs> you will. I, I think that's so true. If you if you find yourself stuck in front of a screen thinking, how the hell do I work this out? Or I don't get that or whatever. Like you say, go out, switch off, even if it's only for 10, 15 minutes. It's surprising what a difference that can make. Yeah. And then, so going back to rugby as your main sport, so what was, you know, say you went to a training session, what mm-hmm. was the worst exercise that your coach would give to you? The worst? The worst exercise? I I think fartlek running around the pitch. You know, we do the run yeah. to the 22, run to the halfway, run the full length. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you mentioned there, you, you go into the hills, you, you love your walking, um, and you put your music on. So what type of music do you listen to that, that keeps I've you... Got, I've got such a broad range. I love most music, but I suppose if you were to try and pin me down to one genre, it would be heavy rock. Yeah, okay. So I, I've been a deep purple fan since right, okay. i was a boy so yeah <laughs> nah great and then say just imagine you you went out your walk uh your, your deep purple playlist is on and then somehow it mucks up and it puts the worst type of music that just wants you to head back home what would that be i think it would be rap yeah you know i cannot i cannot get my head around that yeah. Other than Eminem, I love Eminem. I, yeah. I love <laughs> the words in his songs are normally pretty cool, but, yeah. but some rap music is like, is this really music? I don't know. And it's uh, it's quite ironic because obviously I've, I've been doing my podcast for a while, and that's the one type of music that generally comes up as the worst type of music. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should actually write down the stats on that. <laughs> <laughs> most most probably upset a whole kind of bunch of people now that love rap. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um, we can't be perfect so <laughs> for yourself uh, Gary what's your best memory of your fitness journey um, one thing I think actually completing the London to Brighton walk yeah that was like so satisfying because we finished in Brighton at the Blind Veterans Hospital and I was given my 100k medal by a blind veteran who'd lost his sight in the Falklands. Right. You know, and here's a guy who's like fighting for his country, lost his sight and been injured and Christ knows what. And he's thanking me. And I'm just thinking, Jesus, we should be thanking you, you know, yeah. what you've been through and what you've done. And for me, that was really emotional that somebody like that really appreciated yeah. what I'd done. So, yeah, I think for me, that was one of the best memories ever. Yeah. And then... You know, obviously, you've, you've been involved for so many years and you've probably received thousands of these. Um, what would you say your best compliment or group compliments that you've had? It's one of the trainers that took part in my research, actually, and, and she said, and this was only a couple of months ago, she said, I love the fact that Gary taught me about nutrition and I've been able to educate my clients in this way. And I still kind of go back to him when I'm really not sure. And that's somebody who's been in the industry, well, it's been 10, 15 years since she did my research. 
Yeah. And she still really appreciates that fact and still tells her clients the stuff that I taught her. So. Oh, fantastic. And then along your journey, has there been someone who's been inspirational as a, a role model for yourself, Gary? Oh, yeah. Mary Baracy. She she wrote a book, um, Human uh, what's it called? Nutri- Fundamental Nutrition, a Human Perspective. She was my lecturer at Cardiff Met when I did my nutrition degree. And then when I went back and did my PhD, she was one of my supervisors and she was always so giving of her time. Like during the, the three years when I was doing my PhD, she had a hip replacement. And so she was stuck at home and she said to me, come around the house. We'll chat around there. So even though she was kind of bedridden, she was like, no, come around. It, it's great. For me. And she's so giving with her time. Yeah. And she she died of cancer when I was in New Zealand. And it, it really upset me because she was just such an inspirational person. Like you could go to her and ask her something and she'd quote research. And you're like, how on earth did you know that? It's like, yeah. it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really, that's really Funnily nice. enough, uh, talking about things like that, I, I noticed last night that, and he's from up, Kevin Tipton died. I don't know what of, he, but he was a professor up in Sterling, I think. Yeah. And anyone that's done any work on protein, you'll always see work by Professor Kevin Tipton. The, the man's a legend in terms of protein. And sadly, he died last night. And there's another inspirational person. Yeah, there is so many within the industry that people don't don't get recognised enough, I think. Yeah, it? yeah, I agree. There's some people that really do put a lot of work in and and they're really passionate about it as well and just give their time freely. And often they don't get appreciated, which is it's kind of, well, I suppose it's the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And then uh, if I could say to you, 2022, what's the one thing that you would like to achieve from your own fitness journey? What's Have you got a goal this year that you would like to achieve? I think just growing the business, I've just kind of launched the advanced uh, behaviour change which now encompasses kind of cognitive behavioral therapy and all those aspects. And so just growing that. So as trainers become far more skilled at kind of helping their clients on that behavior change journey. Yeah. And then, you know, this is going back to mindset again. So how do you motivate yourself when, you know, you're having a bad day, Gary? I set myself, I'm a big believer in goals. I think goal setting is so important, not only just long-term goals, but kind of monthly targets. Yeah. And so procrastination is a real problem for some people, you know, and if you're having a bad day, you say, oh, I can't be asked to do that. But I always say to people, just do it for 10 or 15 minutes. And, yeah. and then if you don't want to do it anymore, that's fine, but just do 10 minutes and see how it goes. And very often, when you're having a bit of a bad day, if you go and do something for 10 minutes and get something done, whether it's be write an article or read a bit of a book or whatever it might be, yeah. just doing that 10 minutes can be enough to think, oh, do you know what? I have achieved something. So I think just try and achieve things every day and it kind of boosts your confidence and brings gives you brings your morale up a bit, I think. No, totally. And then I'm going to give you some quick fire questions. Uh-huh. So on your, your own preference, uh, cardio or weights? Weights. Okay. CrossFit, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You tried that in the past? Yeah. 
I've actually got some um, band in that here. So, yeah, I think it's a, you know, because it's overall conditioning. Yeah. What about, what's your take on burpees? Yes or no? <laughs> I think I would have to say no, because like when I was in the Marines, that was what you got hammered with every time. Every time somebody did something wrong, it was like burpees or press-ups. Okay. Uh, <laughs> put it in another context. So, as, you know, obviously, being a personal trainer, would you deliver that exercise to your clients, but you wouldn't want that exercise delivered to you? I never used to get my clients to do it because I think clients hate it. I always, my mantra with exercise is always try and make it fun for the client. No, totally. And squat or deadlift? Ooh, squats. Okay. Um, Running or the gym? The gym. I hate running. I used to do it, but I hate it. Okay. Uh, swimming or, or the gym? Well, that's an interesting one. Still the gym. Still the gym. Um, and just before we round up, have you know what advice would you give to anyone starting out within health and fitness uh, for the first time? Follow your passion. Find a subject that you really love and you're really interested with and never think that you know it all the minute you think you understand it and know it all it's the time to retire yeah and before we round up gary it's been a pleasure having you on and you know giving up your time so have you got any questions for myself one or two if you have any how did you start your podcast? Because it's quite an in, this is an interesting one. Because normally when I do these podcasts, people just want to know about oh, what you do and what you do. But it's been kind of interesting right, thinking okay. about kind of me. So what so, made you kind of think of this? So effectively, um, I, I kept you know I've been involved with uh, personal training, fit, group fitness, a couple of years now, um, and I kept posting this year. Uh, sorry, last year. Um, something's coming new for Scott Marshall and I, I was I was staying up in Alloa. I was up there for my birthday in September, end of October um, and I, I was out a walk with my partner and we were out in the hills and it just came to me suddenly like, yeah, you know I'm going to try a podcast and then I went online and uh, I, looked, I had a look at other people's uh, podcasts what they were doing and then I came up with the idea like no excuses, real inspiration, because everybody's um, got an inspirational story of their, their fitness journey. And then for myself, work, working within a gym and as a personal trainer, I wanted to get a different angle on how health and fitness is perceived by everyone. Yeah. Because everybody's got a different story and everybody's got a different view on how you know, that should be, and I just want, that's how it came about, and now I've done, um, started in October, and I've done over 50 episodes, and I'm, oh. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I spoke to Dan John, uh, Dan John University, yeah. so I had him on, and I was speaking about um, my content, and I says, I says, how do you put your, your content out, because I know he does a lot of podcasts, and he says, oh, I put out whatever I have because the internet's evolving every day. I says, I'm putting out an episode one, two, a week. And he says, oh, Scott, you're living in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm now having to put out an episode every two days at the moment. Wow, that's a lot of content. 
So yeah, so um, but now I've found out uh, Buzzsprout. So I'm now um, it's on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, I'm on Spotify, YouTube. I'm, right. You know, I'm I'm just trying to reach a different market. And you know, going back to your original question, I believe that within health and fitness, there is so much. Maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people may fall out with me for saying this, but there can be a lot of people who are very negative and toxic within the, the, the industry because, you know, I think we, we need to work with each other. That That's that's my my thing, is like, you know, I could say, all right, I'm, I'm no good at nutrition. However, why don't you go to Gary? Because he knows this, that, and that about nutrition, but I'm no good. But go to him, learn from him. You know, I think that's what we need to do is link up and network with each other because I, I think that's what we, I think within the industry, that's what we're lacking. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I've always said to trainers, they look, be, be an expert in one area and it's not it's not a failing, it's not a weakness that you don't know another area. I mean, you know, doctors, GPs, they don't try to do the work of a physio. Yeah. Physio doesn't try to do the work of a dietitian. It's like you've got, especially it's like a heart surgeon doesn't try to do lung surgery. It's yeah. like they've got their one speciality and they've got no problem with going, I'm not the expert in that field, yeah. go to such and such. And I've got <coughs> trainers to this day, that a couple of them that took part in my research that refer clients to me for nutrition. They've never bothered to kind of think, I'm going to go and kind of get training. I don't want to do nutrition. I'm going to hand it on to someone else. And I think everybody should work like that. I always say, you know, people do like a one-day injury rehabilitation course. It's like, you're not a physio. You're going to do more harm than good. If you've got a client with an injury, send them to a physio. Let them rehabilitate it. And now now you've got a partner because now that physio, when they've got clients that need exercise, they'll go, go and see such and such. Yeah. And so it becomes a mutual kind of network. It's a more professional way to work. No, definitely. Um, You get any other questions at all? No, I think that's we've broadly covered most things. <laughs> no, but um, it's been it's been really great uh, having you on uh, today, Gary. Um, and obviously, I'll be looking forward to see how your business evolves. Um, you know, because maybe in a couple of years you'll change again. <laughs> quite, quite possible. Yeah. <laughs> never um, say never. Exactly. Um, it's a big world, you know. Things are changing. Um, but no, it's been awesome. Thank you for your time. Great. Cheers. Thanks for having us on, Scott. Appreciate that. Cheers.